England have just beaten Senegal 3-0. Tweets are flying in. Even Gary Lineker is throwing some praise out there. She hasn't done much of that this World Cup. Um, he won't mind me saying that because shout out Gary Lineker. He still follows me on Twitter despite Jeannie Wijnaldum unfollowing me last week. We won't talk about that again. We've got a stellar cast with us. It is half past 11 on a Sunday night. We've got two doctors in here. And we've got Kieran. Kieran's just a student. Progress, Sorry, Kieran. Um, <laughs> but Trujillo joins us for a second time. Raj and Amir. There's no hello. How are you doing today? It's late. We've all got lives. We all need to get to bed. Let's talk about England. Let's talk about France. Let's talk about these round of 16 fixtures as they have been going on. That was a complete bit of waffle. Hope you don't mind. Let's get into this. Amir, England win 3-0. Very quick question. Were England good or are Senegal terrible? Senegal are good. And England were very good. Um, the thing is, I think in the beginning, England did struggle to break Senegal down or at least progress the ball sort of into the areas where they'd be able to express their quality a bit. And they found it hard to sort of get it into Saka, Foden and Kane as well a little bit. Kane had to drop really quite deep. Um, but I think sort of the link up with Jude there on the left, with Shaw, with Foden, I thought that was really, really nice. Um, and yeah, I think it took a little bit of magic to, to get that first goal. But in the second half, I thought England were really, really nice. Um, and I, I really can't floor anyone who, uh, who played today, really. I think uh, Declan Rice might have been the only person who I might point to and say possibly we can improve a little bit on um, just because he was sort of behind the the guys who were trying to mark him in that area. And he didn't show for it enough, in my opinion. Uh, but he defended really well anyways. And I think... I'm only bringing that up just because Calvin Phillips is a really good player in and of himself. Um, but I, I thought England were really nice in that second half. Uh, Raj, uh, there was not a mention for Jordan Henderson there. And I'm so glad there wasn't because you don't like Jordan Henderson. So I want to force you. I'm putting the gun to your head and saying, say some nice stuff about this guy. If you don't, I will. Oh, it's a solid. It's a solid, a solid performance from Jordan. You have to say he won all his duels, which has been quite unlike him for the last few months. Um, he's been quite, quite lacking physically, but today he was uh, top notch, uh, helping initiate the press from the front as well. We kind of had a bit of a four-five-one going on, but then one of the eights would jump to the Senegalese centre backs at times, and Henderson was doing that very well. And then obviously his goal, he followed the play very nicely, uh, and got a good movement to the edge of the box. Senegal, I thought they were decent. Um, they had like a 4-4-2 going on uh, and they would drop up. One of the two strikers would drop onto Rice to prevent us progressing in, through the middle of the park. Um, I, I agree with Amir. Rice could have done better to show and try and evade that uh, scheme from Senegal. But in the end, what we did was we bypassed the middle and went down the flanks, as you saw for the first goal. Very nice combination play using those two high eights we had. Um, to get down the flanks and then penetrate the box. And I thought that was good problem-solving from the England players themselves on the pitch. Um, they realised the central progression was blocked, so the flanks was the way to go. Can I be low-key honest here? I don't think Senegal are very good. I don't think they should have been at this point in the, the tournament. I feel like Ecuador should have been at this point in the tournament. Um, and Senegal, bear in mind, Qatar scored one goal this tournament and it was against Senegal. That reflects very badly on you. Um, and they've conceded goals this entire tournament. Yes, England were good, but I don't think Senegal were good at all. Kieran, I think I saw your tweet that kind of agreed with that point. I think I could have been completely looking at a different Trujillo Sancho, but I feel like it was you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, what did it say? What did I say? I cannot remember. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was... a, Or maybe you liked the tweet that was to do with like Senegal being terrible. Potentially. I mean, I thought the only real threat they carried was from Saar. I think Saar was causing Walker a few, a few problems. I think uh, Ndara as well. Um, you know, in the first half, I think Maguire was a little... He, he made a few mistakes with the ball, like when he was trying to, you know, play the ball forward. He was kind of getting his passes cut short, I think, and die. I mean, he didn't fully get round him, but he kind of got round him. Maguire got back to him. I think that was probably as, you know, as, as threatening as it got. I think um, in the first half, yeah, like like you said, I think it was more England being, you know, lacking a bit of quality, progressing the ball, um, you know, not getting it to Foden. I think Foden wasn't as involved as, you know, you know I think he came alive in the second half. So I think that was potentially why, you know, Senegal um, didn't concede um, until it was like, I think it was like the 40th minute. With Senegal, like, even in the games that they ha- haven't won in, I saw a sort of thing back to their game against the Netherlands. I thought they were better than the 2-0 loss showed uh, that they were. I think they restricted uh, the Netherlands to creating very many chances at all. And then it obviously took um, sort of individual brilliance a little bit to unlock um, unlock the game a little bit for the Netherlands and in a similar way England had to do that as well and then the game opened up a little bit more when uh, when Senegal had the ball and were chasing the game especially the knockout game you can't play for a draw so we were able to um, thrive in that way England have just generally in this tournament um, against Iran as well a good team who sit deep and keep things compact uh, that individual brilliance from that Jude header unlocks the game and then we sort of tally up the goals. So I think it's harsh to say that they were bad, to be honest. I think like they actually set up well and we just had a bit too much quality in the end. Um, but, but I do agree in that sort of side. Like, they did have a couple of moments in the first half. In the second half, it was all England. I thought England were, were clear. But, but, okay, so if, if this is a clear. club game and this, to me, felt like we were watching Man City against Fulham. Where like we're leaving the game going, Fulham were not bad. Like they tried their best, but they just even their best couldn't beat Man City on an average day. England were like better than average. They were good. The England played to like a six out of ten capacity. Senegal played to like an eight out of ten capacity, and Senegal still didn't really touch England, if we're honest. In the similar respect to say like Poland and France. France played like a six out of ten. Poland played like a or tried to play to like an eight. But they just don't have the players of that quality. I don't think if we if we played that game again another hundred times, I think Senegal will win it once. Yeah, I think most of their threat was by going quite direct. That was the thing. Uh, once we adjusted to that and those balls in the channels, which did cause a few issues initially, that was their threat almost gone. I think you got to look at their midfield. Nampadis Mendy, he's not the greatest player. We've seen him for Leicester for a number of years now. Idrissa Gay is missing. There's not much technical quality there. For us to for Senegal to really get a foothold in the game, that's why they didn't really get much of the ball. I think they had thirty five percent possession in the first half. So yeah, I think they had limited threats on the pitch in terms of attacking wise. I think defensively they were better than they were going forward. Um, the thing is, England. Sorry, England have like I think it's going to be difficult for loads of teams to get at England. Really, I think the quality in individuals that England have should put them as one of the favourites in the competition even irrespective of the form that we had beforehand. And obviously, we're talking about a Senegal side that systematically are quite good. And obviously, without money, they're definitely weak individually. But they do have sort of some good 
counter-attacking threat. The problem is, the three at the back that we had were Kyle Walker, who is sort of the best transition defender on the planet, and then you have John Stones, who I actually think is the best centre-back on the planet, and then Maguire, who on the international stage paired with John Stones, has like a really nice chemistry, uh, and, and they cover for each other really well. So I think you have to be at a really, really elite level to even get anything against a defence like that. So you can say Senegal played good and, and that's fair enough. And I do think they played good. Um, but like you have to play good and have like really good players to get anything out of that sort of backline, I think. So that's where, that's like where my point is, where like Senegal played to their maximum capacity or somewhat somewhere there. I think their fans actually disagree. I was looking at some tweets and their fans are basically saying we were terrible today. But if that was like their maximum capacity, then England's B team wins that game. I mean, I looked at Senegal's results before this and I was like, um, I didn't think they deserved to get to this point. Senegal fans won't enjoy me saying that, but they drew against Iran. This is pre-World Cup. They uh, beat Bolivia. They beat Mozambique in extra on penalties. They lost to Zambia. They beat... Eswatini on penalties. They beat Rwanda 1-0. They lost to Egypt and beat Egypt on penalties. Uh, they drew with Egypt, beat mm. them on penalties. They beat Burkina Faso 2-1. They beat Cape Verde 2-1. They, they, they drew with Malawi. They drew with Guinea. They lost to Zimbabwe. Well, I mean... African champions, was... brother. We have to respect the African champions. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> what African, I, But what I mean by that is that, like, that if we're comparing... Like, if Zambia were in this World Cup, every single team that plays Zambia will batter Zambia. Do you know what I mean? Like, And I mean that in a, in a respectful way to Zambia, but at the same time, I mean that in, like, a sense of... The teams in this World Cup are much better than those teams, and Senegal have been just wobbling past those teams. So it's not me saying. To be fair, though, I, I will is, give a tiny bit of credit. I will give a tiny bit of credit to Senegal just because England hadn't won six games before we entered this tournament, and now we're sort of top three favorites, top four favorites with France, Brazil, Spain. So, like, I think like sort of form going into it is important, but. I think the issue was for for us pre-tournament as well. We were flipping around too many systems and formations. Now we've actually got a settled eleven and settled players in yeah. there. I think that's made a big difference. And also, obviously, when you're playing against Germany and Italy, you got moving parts. It's not going to work. Um, I think with Rambo, as he listed out the Egypt results as well. Egypt on a great side. Uh, Mo Salah plus ten others and Mo Al Neni. Sorry, Amir. Yeah, I was about to kick <laughs> off with it. That was yeah. outrageous. <laughs> oh my <laughs> lord! I was about to speak yeah. his name. Yeah, and they struggled in all three of those games, to be honest, to break them down. So it's not a surprise that didn't break England down. Yeah. So let's let's move that England Senegal result aside. England have beaten Senegal. We can talk for days and days about many scenarios that could have happened and this, that, and the other. Um England take on France up next. Now I think this is where the this is where the script changes completely. Now, right now, the narrative is England England are brilliant. England are this wonderful attack inside. And we take on France or England take on France. Kieran, um, France and England, I think in this tournament, have had a similar sort of run. Both sides have played very average sides. But I think the impression in England is that England are really good. I think the impression is in France is that we're playing really bad sides. England now take on France. What's your, t- what's your take on this fixture, first of all, before we run deeper into that left-sided battle that England are going to have to come up against? Okay. Um, I think, I think yeah, like you said, I think it's a very 
it's a very English thing to be really confident. You know, you've you've, you've gone gone through pretty much un, un, unscathed so far. So it's like there's there's not really there hasn't been a big team per se, but you know, uh, the Iran result was good. The USA game I think was kind of the only real blip. So people kind of seeing you know that how quickly the narrative can flip. You know, one one bad uh, people result. People seeing Southgate out after the USA. Southgate yeah. out. Like, suddenly Saka, who everyone was saying is the greatest right winger, now suddenly needs to be dropped and never never play again. So <laughs> I think um, that, that that's the kind of the way the way things go. But I think um, I think it should be it should be a France win. It should be a France win. Let's let's talk about the one particular area. Wait, Amir, hold on. You're not quite convinced that it should. I mean, to be fair, you did just say yeah, England. Are in the, yeah, you said England are in well, the top I, three or four favourites. Yeah, the thing is, in my bracket that I did separately, I had England go to the final facing Argentina. Um, but this was before I knew and I was sure that Benzema. I mean, Giroud was going to be starting as the nine, and then Giroud sort of got in, and I was like, all right. Now France are cooking something here. But like, for me, I think England are probably the best equipped team to play against France. I think if anybody's going to beat France, England probably have the best chance of doing so. And I only think that because, first of all, I mean, France's biggest threat is quite clearly Kylian Mbappé on that left. He's a, for me, I think he's the best knockout tournament player. So Champions League, World Cup, whatever. Like, I have some questions about him in a domestic side in a league over other elite players. But I think in a knockout competition, he is the best in the world. Um, and against that, I think the only, like who can really stop him? I think Kyle Walker is probably the most suited to that. And then maybe someone like, I mean, to be fair, the English right backs in general, so Aaron wan in a low block, Reese James possibly, and then Kyle Walker, if we play a bit higher, they're sort of the three players who can give him a bit of trouble. Um, and he's obviously like, the guy that we have to stop. I think John Stones on that side is a massive hope. And then who else do we have? I just worry a little bit about Dembele on the other side because if Dembele has a really good game, I'm just worried that if... Like, we'll sure be able to clamp Dembele. That's just sort of my worry um, because Dembele can obviously produce this sort of magic and Shaw is really, really uh, a talented player on the ball in possession, whatever. He's had a wonderful tournament. But yeah, I'm just worried a bit about that side. I think on the other side, we've seen the City defenders sort of manage against Mbappe and obviously Mbappe can kill you and sort of sort of sort of two or three if he wants on his day but I think out of any team and sort of the good teams who does Spain have Spain have sort of these aging defenders who might get caught in behind um Brazil have Danilo's out injured yeah and they have yeah Militao to be fair Militao is a good player but like their defense is a bit shifted around as well and then who's the other top team Argentina and I, I don't massively sort of buy into their fullbacks against someone like Mbappe as well. So I think England are the best side to possibly stop France. And on top of that, France sort of sit in a little bit. They're happy to concede possession. And England have guys like Foden, Saka, Kane, Jude making these late runs. Players who can possibly punish teams who do sit deep. So I don't think it's a, a written off affair. I think France have probably been the side that I've been most impressed by this tournament. I think England, if anyone, are going to be the side to, to beat them. I disagree, Loki, with the with the Mbappe domestic point. I mean, you know, he did it with Monaco before going to PSG. I think he's. I don't think he he's necessarily greater in in knockouts than he is domestically. I think the only time 
Um, he lost the league was the the low se- the season low when and won the league. No, yeah, I'm I not. Think, I'm not um, saying he's a bad player, really. I'm I'm just saying his strengths are seen at an even high level in the bigger games because in the bigger games you're usually against opposition that sort of commit a little bit more. I think in domestic competitions mm. or whatever, um, sometimes the occasion isn't high enough for elite players to want to show their best. If that makes sense, I think some players step up to the occasion, and then second of all, like. Yeah, I mean, when there's a bit more space to run into, Mbappe's the best in the world at it. So, um, yeah, teams who you're not going to see sort of like mid-table sides push high and and leave that space in behind for Mbappe. They're sort of going to play a bit more aggressive. Um, But in the Champions League and the knockout stages against big clubs, against sort of teams like Barcelona and things like that, you'll get that space and he'll absolutely destroy you in in that part of the game. Yeah, I think we've seen even like like I was gonna say like today, Dembele was getting a lot a lot of space because um, I think Cash was just so worried about Mbappe. I think Cash did well to be fair, but I think yeah. he was just so so worried about Mbappe. Uh, and then the second as the centre back was also coming across to to cover Mbappe, so it gave Dembele a lot of space. And then even um, for the Mbappe goal, Mbappe was left with space almost because. They were too scared to go go to him, but they were too scared to like. They were kind of well, and Giroud made a really good run for that goal. Giroud run, that run all the way to the other side. Gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say exactly because he he, he Giroud pretty much started the meet. I'm gonna run some Giroud prop here. Giroud plucked that ball from the sky expertly. Was carrying even it before you know, that. Actually, like, oh, even before that, sorry, let me get some Griezmann prop in there because Griezmann, who's supposed to be the right, attacking midfielder, who, who's basically playing like this third midfielder, he wins the ball in his own box. And hoofs it all the way yeah. up to Giroud, who plucks it out of the air. Mm. And I tweeted something basically saying, like, everyone's role in that goal, sort of the four attacking players, is such a typical, like, demonstration of what they're actually good at or what their qualities are. Like, Griezmann defending yeah. in his box. Like, I mean, like, for a player who basically is a, a winger or an attacking midfielder... It's that, meant to be an attacker, yeah. Yeah, trust. And, and that tenacity that he's showing there to be in his own box and win that, he hoofs it up. Giroud is this big man with this, like angel of touch like he brings it down and gives it to Dembele who drives at the players and sort of creative direct who finds Mbappe who just ridiculously like puts it into that top corner yeah I have no idea how he finished that I watched it back that shot in ridiculous that fake eye finish like, lock. He looks in one direction whips it into the other direction he's done that in the Champions League as well I remember against Bayern Munich he did Jerome Boateng on the inside looked at the noise left Smacked it down to the bottom right, and yeah, bottom, yeah, the near post. That's his bag. That's literally his. I think that's like his signature finish at this point. He pretty much did it twice, twice in. The, well, no, actually, no. The second was was far post, but like the same sort of. You have the two defenders. He uses them as like as like decoys, basically. Like the defenders, yeah, yeah. can be. They can either be where he wants. It's weird. He does it both ways. They can either be where he wants to shoot, or he can use them as like decoys. As okay, you think I'm going to shoot here because I've done it the first time. And then he goes the far the far post the second for the second goal. Pochettino said on BBC afterwards he practices that hundred times in training every training session he does a hundred shots like that and you can tell. But what I was going to say was I think in the Poland France first half that gives me hope as an England fan. As Omir said, France hit off in a bit of a mid block. It's a four four two mid block. The front two of that is Mbappe and Giroud. That's not the most aggressive front two. They actually allowed the Poland centre backs to come out carry the ball and ping whatever passes they wanted to. Krikowiak as well in front of that. Maguire, John Stones, two quality ball-playing centre-backs. I think we can get some good 
ball progression going through the middle against France. Um, I've seen Mbappe actually let PSG down a few times as well in terms of his off-ball work in a knockout game. We've seen that happen with PSG. I think that could be one of their flaws. Giroud, obviously, he wants to do the work, but he's a bit older now, so it's harder for him. So I think we could get some joy there. And Poland, I reckon, could have had one or two goals if they had some better finishes on the pitch. Because other than Lewandowski, no one else could really put the chances away. So, yeah. As well, even that, even that Hernandez on that it. side. Even Hernandez on that side. Is like an, he, he's a great player. He's more attacking in nature yeah. as well. Um, and I've seen in a couple of games throughout the World Cup, on that side, there's a bit of space. Obviously, Rabiot's trying to come over and, and cover that area quite often. I think on that mm. side, like sort of, Bukayo Saka is a player who we can sort of use how they've used they've used Dembele as this isolation mm. kind of player, um, mm, yeah. and obviously I, I don't know if sort of Raheem Sterling is going to be back. I've mentioned him sort of being the central player and providing that right sided overlap for Saka. If uh, Raheem Sterling's not back and Henderson plays that role again, I think that would be perfect anyways because then you still get yeah. Saka moving inside into those areas where. Rabiot might not be able to follow him. Hernandez might not know whether to go or not. And then Henderson sort of plays on the outside. So I think that's sort of an area. I mean, that whole flank is going to be sort of where the game yeah. probably is decided, isn't it? Yeah. Do you not think Rashford has a chance to get back? I think Rashford, yeah, probably on the bench. Um, mm. The other thing is with a 4-4-2, Griezmann's actually in the double pivot of a 4-4-2. Jude is on that, in that left-sided eight role. Physically, he, he can... Uh, beat uh, Griezmann in a foot race. So the potential to try and get ahead of the play when Griez Griezmann failure to track him. So there are there's definitely weaknesses to exploit. The, the bravery here is is amazing. We've uh, it's just suggestions, uh, though, isn't it? Like the thing is, these are just if England are going to perform well, these are the zones where they're going to perform well. And you can say yeah. the opposite for France and just say Dembele on that side, Mbappe in behind, Giroud winning these high balls against whoever we play at sort of six, centre-back, whatever. So, it, it, I don't know. I just think there's more options for us than other teams. I, I do agree with that to an extent. But I also think, like, France have played this entire tournament in second gear. They they honestly don't... don't Even in that Poland first half, it was almost as if France... And to be fair, France have played nearly every tournament like this, to be fair, under Didier Deschamps. But he... They almost played the first half of the Poland game as if to go like, let's see all the cards you've got and then we'll pull out the Joker whenever the time comes. And that's basically, they've always essentially got in in playing cards terms and if you don't know playing cards then, then figure it out, go to Google. Um, they've basically <laughs> always got, they've always got two aces and they always chuck them out at the right time. I, I think for England to beat France, one, Mbappe needs to have a, a bad game and that's where I'm going next. And two, everything needs to happen on point at the right time for England, which has been the case so far in the tournament. England teams have been scoring goals in groups of two, essentially, even today in the Senegal game. If that game goes in at halftime, 1-0, the game is definitely still alive. As soon as the second goal goes in, the game is done because Senegal know they're not going to score free. Um, very quickly on this Mbappe-Walker point. Um, I'll say one more thing before go we go to Mbappe-Walker. If we let's dig, dig a bit deeper into France's uh, knockout history, I was looking at their 2018 World Cup run. They first had Argentina, like a super villain, bro. He's done work. <laughs> yeah, this bro. Is, I don't know he's, he's cooking up a mad, yeah, mad no agenda. I can see like, it. In his, I can see it in your eyes right now. Holders <laughs> behind the camera, like. <laughs> yeah. Right, so, in the, uh, so in the round of 16 in the World Cup 2018, they had Argentina. Argentina were a mess. 
under their manager then. And still, they put, managed to put three past France. It was a 4-3 win, fair enough. Uh, but Argentina definitely not, weren't the same as the Argentina today. They were polar opposite. After that, they had Uruguay. Decent team, not amazing. Then they had Roberto Martinez as Belgium. This guy can't organise a defence to save his life. Um, <laughs> in the final, they had Croatia. Again, a very nice technical team in midfield especially. But I wouldn't say world beaters. And then they came across a Swiss in the Euros, got knocked out. Are England the best team they've actually faced in those two tournaments? I, I, I have a feeling that they are. In in the same respect, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say? <laughs> wouldn't you say France are the best team England have faced under the Gareth Southgate? I was just going to make the true same as well, point. But yeah, that's what, true. This is just but, the final. No, it is. Forget Brazil. Forget Brazil. Nah, to be fair, yeah, Brazil are up there. Uh, and to be fair, this version of Argentina as well, I just think, I'm trying to think, I think England have, I mean, you can make the argument both ways, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, I think I think international sides are just generally raising their level, in it? I think the Euros for mm. France, their side was rotated in terms of system and things like that. Sort of Benzema coming in, yeah, not yeah. playing with Giroud, um, Griezmann sort of playing this different role. They went three at the back in the qualifiers as well. So I think, Sort of looking at the last World Cup and looking at this World Cup makes more sense. The stuff in between for France is a bit more of noise rather than sort of things that we can really take things away from. Um, but I, I do think we're probably the best equipped team uh, if we sort of play our cards right. Could could this come down to, and I think it will personally, how well England cope with Mbappe? Uh, uh, and I, I just, I, in my opinion, I think like. He's at that stage in his career whereby, in tournament football, this is um, sort of the sort of period where, like, if you took on Barcelona, if you stopped Messi, you had a half a chance. And at Madrid, if you stopped Ronaldo, you had half a chance. I think if you don't stop Mbappe, you don't have a chance, essentially. In, even in the game against Poland, I think he had four shots on goal. Every single one of those could have easily been a goal. Like, not he wasn't flying shots wide. He, every single one of his chances is like a high XG chance that he's made himself. Mm. Um, mm. But at the same time, it does feel like Walker is the best equipped right back to take him on in terms of physically. Although, even in the game against Senegal, Ismail Shah actually got past Walker on a number of occasions. I also look at the Newcastle game where St. Maximan beat him in a foot race a number of times. It's only natural that Walker will have lost. Huh. And um, Amir, I know you're ready to drop a defense on him. I'm going to I'm gonna give it to you. I'm going to pass the book to you. I just inhaled a second. I just held my breath. <laughs> um, I'm going to pass the book to Kieran first because I feel like I like to hold you further along. Keep, in, keep inhaling, see how long you can hold it. Um, Kieran. Oh, make his head hot. <laughs> <laughs> this week, just to get guys to get that full heated rap for the <laughs> just clippers, clippers rap. But no, I I think no, I I agree. I mean, I, I it hurts me to admit it, but I do feel like um, Walker, especially coming off an injury as well, it could it could be quite difficult. I do feel like when I've been watching Walker recently for City and and for England as well, I think um, I don't have the same assurance that I used to have. Where it's like, yo, like there's absolutely no one. Who's gonna gonna beat him in a foot race? Isn't like it's not even it's not even a question. Like in the Euros, like when when you had Muller try <laughs> trying to go go through, and even though Walker was maybe like at least fifteen meters behind, I still wasn't really that that worried. I had a feeling like he's still gonna somehow get back. But um, I think the one player, even if Walker was like fully fully fit, that you'd think okay he might be able to have him in a foot race is Mbappe. So to have Bro, Walker like coming straight, that's back, such a good battle. And do you know no, what? It's a, cra- it's a crazy matchup. 
you know what? Kyle Walker, he's actually this physical freak because in that game against Real Madrid, when he basically had like half a leg, like he was literally half injured. Half a leg, yeah, for real. He was literally injured and he played this first half. I think he played like 55 minutes before he had to get subbed off. But this was like Vinicius in the best of his form. And this basically injured Kyle Walker clamped or, or managed uh, Vinicius until he had to get substituted off. And then after that, the game's yeah. off went away from us but then went away. E- yeah. even with this injury that he's just recovered from now I'm pretty sure that the timeline uh, for a normal recovery and this injury was like three or four weeks longer uh, than yeah. what he's returned and is playing at and he's recovered and he- he's fit now but it's he's genuinely like this sort of I don't know this physical like alien like it's not he's not supposed to be able to run as fast as he is or sort of recover as fast as he has done um don't you think that's dangerous do you not think that's a bit dangerous the thing is they would have they would they would have cleared him no they would have cleared him though city are like super cautious with all of this um so so they would have completely cleared him he's just naturally able to sort of work through that rehab and, and recover way ahead of schedule which is like I mean, first it's, of all, it's, it's, incredible, fair, it's but, not it's yeah. not completely uncommon for elite level athletes to have varying recovery times. Um, for example, like uh, apparently Mo Salah can shake off like uh, a two uh, a second degree sprain in like two weeks, which is also unheard of. Um, but there's but then there's certain athletes who where you go like someone like Oxlade Chamberlain, for example. Not to dig him out at all, I love the guy, but he he can't shake off like a fractured toe for three months. Like, it's just very different recovery times. Daniel Sturridge is another primary example. Daniel Sturridge would pull his hamstring one week and be out for six weeks, which is not really, not really a thing. Like, you wouldn't miss six weeks on a, on just a, a pulled hamstring. But, um, Raj, I'm coming to you because I've seen years and years of your tweets about Walker and Henderson and this entire episode has culminated in you having to like the guys you normally hate. <laughs> I like them. I'm enjoying this. Walker, I, Walker is a. I, I like him as a top. He's a top one v one defender. I, I, I have an issue with him positioning sometimes. He doesn't trap those runs as well off the board. I think when you've got him in a one straight foot race, he'll destroy anyone. Uh, it's just sometimes he switches off. I remember there was a Nations League game in the last international break. Uh, I can't remember who it was against, but they chipped the ball into the box. Walker just stood off far too much. They were able to bend one into the corner. But I don't think that it's a huge issue. It's just one criticism I have of him. But my worry for this game is what Deschamps could do to me. If he's clever, I think he could tweak the midfield dynamic to exploit that left side. What he could do is say to Rabiot, you have the greater role and freedom to get forward. Griezmann, you drop in a bit deeper. Uh, and Rabia makes those kind of decoy runs in the inside channel to draw Walker away uh, and and then leave him exposed. That could be a problem for us if he does that. I don't know how smart Deschamps is at uh, You know at, what? At in, this, like that, in, 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 sorry, in the second half of the game today, I think Taram came on and played wide mm-hmm. left. And it meant that yeah. Mbappe was a bit more in these central areas. Central, yeah. yeah. I don't know if, I mean, to be fair, I don't think Deschamps rotates the side at all. But I do think second half, maybe something like that. If Giroud's not working, for example, Taram mm. out on that side, Mbappe a bit more inside, and then Griezmann with a bit more freedom to play like this false nine central role, something like that. Uh, and then you can get Mbappe away from from Walker. Yeah, maybe yeah. That that speaks a little bit to your point. I think also I work, put, yeah. bring him over to like more Maguire side and that. That could be be a bit bit more dangerous. 
Well, he was a right winger, wasn't he, in the 2018 World Cup? Yeah. Yeah, he played. I think also, like, the, the great, like, thing about this game is we're talking about Mbappe against Walker and Stones. We're talking about Shaw against Dembele. This might be the first time the England back four has to defend individually in situations. I think that back four defends essentially as a unit. Um, like Walker covers for whoever. Maguire is covered by Stones. Maguire covers Shaw. You know, like it's almost like a knock-on effect of like individually, they're not wonderful, mm. wonderful defenders. So they're always working. It reminds me of the, like you used to do a drill when you were kids. Go on, go on, Raj. You saw that chance early on for Senegal. Stones got beaten, but then Maguire came clattering across and made the interception. Exactly what you're saying. They cover. And the yeah, thing is, if Stones doesn't come across in the first place, the other, Maguire doesn't. The other way as well. Yeah, if Stones doesn't come across in the first place, the guy gets his shot away before Maguire is even there. So it's a really nice sort of. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite an old-fashioned way of defending. Because yeah, like, if you think about Liverpool, for example, their their defenders are taught to defend in straight lines. It, it, I mean, if you think back, you'll remember that Pulisic goal when everyone said, like, why didn't Van Dijk run across to block the Pulisic shot, if you remember? I think it was in a cup game. Um, and But if you study how Liverpool defend, they always defend in straight lines. Even Man City do it to an extent. So, like, for Gareth Southgate to go... Cover, cover all bases at all times. Do not leave, do not leave your fullback on his own. That makes this game really interesting because France almost specialise in going, putting players in one v one situations. It's going to be fascinating. Whatever happens, um, let's quickly talk about Jude Bellingham because we've barely spoken about him. Obviously, he's the talk of the town, but we're not going to talk about him and say Jude Bellingham is this wonderful footballer. Birmingham retired his shirt. Everybody knows all of that jazz. You can listen to. Don't listen to any other podcast, but if you want to, and you really have to, and you've got a gun to your head, go and listen to... Yeah. Oh, no, you could definitely (laughs) listen to uh, the And Again podcast. We have no problems with that. But apart from that, don't listen to any other podcast. Um, And the SDS podcast as well. You can listen to them, guys. Um, um, But no, Jude Bellingham has been raved about this entire tournament. What I want to talk about is, one, the celebration with Jordan Henderson was very intimate. And I have read this week that, Jordan Henderson is like his mentor and Trent and Bellingham have become best friends. And I don't really believe in the whole agent, you know, that people go like agent Trent, agent Jordan. I but believe after the celebration, I can't, I can't yeah, I'm low-key starting Holland, to believe in it a little that. bit. Agent you know, Morris. This is a, this is a thing. Like, um, <laughs> okay, that was real though. <laughs> that was um, real. Catching him on a holiday. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I love that clip. Yeah, that's did, one of my favourites. Who did Liverpool sign from Porto? Raj, you should be able to remind, remind me of this. Luis Diaz. Diaz. Yeah, there you go. Um, brain went blank. Apparently, Liverpool spent, like, Liverpool basically fed the information to Marco Gruwich and said, go and spend three months with this guy and tell us everything <laughs> you know about him. And three months later... They must have paid him for that, surely. I think it's <laughs> more like a... <laughs> but anyway, anyway. witness tampering. <laughs> they do um, Un- this under the table shady, shady, shady business. It's business, brother. It's just business. Um, <laughs> after seeing that celebration, Kieran, do you think? And this is great because we've got two Man City fans in it and uh, Liverpool as well. Do you think Jude Bellingham, firstly, is more suited to either one of Liverpool or City? I'd say I think Liverpool may need him more, but I think um, that's Pep cold. Could, could... End the clip. That's cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. I think. Yeah. I think Liverpool obviously, as of right now, definitely need Bellingham more. But I think Pep, uh, you know, even in that left eight role, 
Um, I think he could be the perfect Gundogan replacement, even though I don't really want Gun- Gundogan to go yet. I've got a lot of I've got Yo, a lot, lot of love for Gundogan. That's my favorite think, player, man. That's my that's my that's my guy. I don't I don't, I don't want him to go man. just yet, but I think longer term that that could be uh, the Gundogan replacement. Um, as to do the the celebration, I think I think when the Euros were happening, I remember all the Liverpool fans getting really excited because they were like, "Oh, uh, Sancho's coming to Liverpool because he's really close with Trent." He he, there was a foot race with Henderson, and and he, they were bantering and stuff. Henderson after the game against Ukraine was talking I talking to him. This, so like, I feel thing. like we've yeah, like we, do you know what I mean? Like we, yeah. we've we've seen they even made a gif with like Sancho in in a Liverpool kit. Turning down United, like I feel like we've been, it's kind of been here, done that, and and they never end up going to Liverpool. So I think this might be might be another another situation where you may get your hopes up, you may think, okay, yeah, you know, Henderson, Henderson's feeling him, Trent, they've, they've done this celebration together, they've done done the B reel at the end of the game, and then he still ends up coming to City. <laughs> you know what? Let me just add a tiny point to that. Are Liverpool going to pay a hundred or whatever million for Jude? I think that's the real question and to be fair they did pay what was it near enough 100 million for Darwin like 80 for Nunez 80 okay maybe like 100 million let's, say, a hun- let's say 100 for the clip 100 yeah, let's million. say 150 million for the clip um, 110, but- <laughs> 110 million plus plus, in- plus plus English lessons tax <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no so basically I think Liverpool are willing to spend a bit more money but Real Madrid apparently want Jude Manchester City want Jude I'm sure there's other clubs in the Premier League that want Jude. Liverpool want Jude as well. And especially on the back of a tournament like this, he's performed incredibly well. Um, I don't think he's really against going to Liverpool. He's quoted sort of Zidane uh, and Gerard as guys he looks up to as well. Um, to you, to answer the question that you asked earlier, I think he probably suits, in his current sort of form and his current style and profile and things like that, I think he probably suits a club Liverpool midfielder a bit more. From what I saw today, he looks a bit more like a club midfielder than a pet midfielder. But I think he has so many good qualities that he can adapt easily and be moulded into a club midfielder, I mean, a pet midfielder. And I'd love to take him when sort of Gundogan's eventually phased out. Um, but I mean, Real Madrid could very easily get him. Man City could very easily get him. I just think it's a matter of, of uh, cost really for Liverpool and Maybe if they get new owners or something like that, it might shift things into their favour. Um, but I think sort of whoever's willing to pay the money really gets him out of those three. Go on, Raj. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't gone after Jude Bellingham. Jude, yeah. Not like Bellingham mean, either. No, no, he's a, he's a Enzo quality Fernandez player. Hype. I think the way... <laughs> bit of end... <laughs> yeah, the, the way Jude fits in is obviously, it's quite uh, ironic, really. He fits into Henderson's role. So Henderson might be doing damage to his own Liverpool career if he's convincing him. Um, as that right side, I think Henderson's smart Jude enough to know when when his time is up. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. he's really, really. I don't, think, I don't think he's got the Ronaldo syndrome. But no, nah, that was three years <laughs> ago, mate. So I don't. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, Jude is is a great fit for that role. The problem is Liverpool don't need one midfielder; they need three midfielders next summer because Naby Keita is leaving on a free. Oxley Chamberlain is leaving on a free. James Milner is probably going to go next summer. So that's three holes in the squad. He is Jude's that, that guy's never the... leaving. <laughs> Milner, he's yeah, he's gone, man. James Milner, no, he's forty-five. No, that's but, yeah. guy. He's, he's not going anywhere. The thing is, then your whole budget is going to get swallowed up by Jude. If Jude getting Jude means Moises Caicedo doesn't come in, that's a mistake from Liverpool. 
because Moises Caicedo is the Genie Wijnaldum replacement in waiting that has cost Liverpool several times in the last two seasons. That is more important than getting Jude, in my opinion. That balance off the ball, in transition, stopping teams playing through you, stopping Fabinho from being overwhelmed. Um, and also, a backup, he's a, he can act, act as a backup six to Fabinho, which has been missing as well since Wijnaldum's left. Caicedo is the more important signing than Jude, in my opinion. And if you get Caicedo, that's going to be about 50 million. Jude's going to be 100. That means you've got another 50 left if you've got Jude money put aside. Then you can get another one, another one like Jude. Uh, Amir mentioned you can get Enzo Fernandez or someone like that to complement Caicedo as a more ball player. Joe Gomez. A, uh, Shout out Joe Gomez. I think he should go to Liverpool or Liverpool should sign him rather from Flamengo. Yeah. Really tight. So def- Is he? So that's exactly yeah. so many options there. Uh, Liverpool, I think. May, if there's any room for one signing and it, uh, in terms of having that much money available, they should stay away from Jude, get two instead of the one. Oh, man. That's fair. Rogers uh, basically decided Liverpool's destiny. Wait, what if, though, just a very quick question, what if Liverpool get Saudi owners, then 150 million or 450 million? It don't matter. We got money. <laughs> <laughs> then then Agent Henderson's coming clutch. Yeah, whoever. <laughs> Yeah, man. Go, go get Modric if you want. Let Modric go retire at Anfield if, if you really <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, England aside, we're going to talk England-France post-England-France because that will be a massive game. There might even be a, an entire episode dedicated to that single game alone because on that day we'll get to decide whether Walker pocketed Mbappe or whether Mbappe silenced everyone getting a little bit too hyped because that's the side. If you Phil Foden day. Phil Foden day. Yeah, Foden's calling. He's, he's, he called out Mbappe last time, and you know how that went. We're going to run it back today. Tone well, that was a be- beautiful, oh, beautiful day that day. Brother, Wonderful. Southgate's playing a back five, and everyone's going to get so upset, and I can't I'll be, Honestly, I'll be so upset if we play a back five. I, I want us to play 4-3-3, yeah. 4-2-3-1, whatever we've been playing, take the game to them, have them sit in their shape. And I know that unlocks this counter-attacking Mbappe, but... Just let Walker try and deal with him and just hope that we I'm, can outscore them. Yeah. I'm going to put one yeah. thing out there and I'm willing to allow this to go out as the only clip of me that will ever go out on this podcast. <laughs> if England don't play a back five, England are losing. Nah, I believe Ooh. in my boys. Come on, I, man. I, 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 don't, I, don't think, I don't think so. Wait, Poland got more XG than France today. you got to take the Brother. game to them. Brother... Let's stop chatting about Poland getting XG. What a stupid <laughs> comment. No, did, did they not get did they not get XG though? Like it's, it's a valid point. They got one, they got a pen. XG two, hype. Two. X, <laughs> X, look at Jamie Vardy's XG and tell me XG is not half a facade sometimes. I don't think You just got a Vardy this, agenda, mate. That's all I <laughs> No, we should have a Vardy that's agenda because that guy bags on us every every game. No, no, that no, that's fast. That's why I have to. I have to. You know, it's got to the point where you just have to respect his game, bro. It's like a dom- That's where the Adama he's got the most goals against the Pep side. I'm pretty sure of every player that he's yeah, he has. He has. Listen, now, he has. listen Jamie Vardy right now is sat on a beach somewhere, and we're just giving him airtime on the podcast that currently cannot cannot afford to give airtime to Jamie Vardy. The day will come. The day will come where we give airtime <laughs> to Jamie Vardy, but it's not today. Um, very quickly, Shut as up, always, Jamie the World Vardy, Cup. Though. <laughs> I had a feeling that was coming but he's not a bozo why are you backing Vardy <laughs> no I don't know man you have to certain guys you just have to respect them man nah you have to I respect his grind for real 
Just well, why are we just sat and here giving him props? Brilliant, to... brilliant eight. Why are we giving? <laughs> Bro, it's because he's tortured Man City, honestly. Like, if you're a Man City fan, you you have to, like, you can't not give Jamie Vardy his roses, man. This guy's cooked us into Sorry. giving him his props. All right, listen, but it's, it's the World Cup. Why are we giving Jamie Vardy props during the World Cup? Let's, honestly. Let's move, it's, let's it's, move on. There's, there's, no, there's no wrong time. There's never a wrong time to show us so love. Is it? Callum Wilson is the new and improved Vardy. You can use him off the bench, I reckon, as well. Yo, Rod, Rod he's, he's got great one-liners. Like, they're little episodes in and of themselves, I swear. Like, if we had, like, two hours. Brilliant. Lit that one. Beautiful. <laughs> that's, a, that's a beautiful clip right there. Um, let's get back to World Cup. As much as I want to talk about Jamie Vardy, I don't. Um... The World Cup. <laughs> you brought him up. You brought him up. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it. I, I, I was making an XG. I, I was making an XG point, and Raj just bought up my history books on Jamie Vardy, and that's that's how they, that's how we ended up here. Um, <laughs> uh, more importantly, it's the volley he scored against you with them years ago, isn't it, brother? I don't care about you. Why are we talking about you? <laughs> no more I'm not even replying to these comments. I'm muting this conversation. <laughs> Yo, getting muted in real life is crazy. Yeah, man. That's wild. Yeah. Um, back to World Cup, because uh, the producer needs to edit this soon. And he's, he's just texted me saying, are we nearly done? Little does he know we're talking about something that's nothing to do with the World Cup. So I don't want to upset him. <laughs> um, back to the World Cup. So far, the round of 16 games have given us pretty predictable outcomes. Argentina, France, England winning. Um, and obviously Netherlands as well. Do we think out of the ones out of the teams left, we might see a surprise? We've got Morocco, Japan, Switzerland, South Korea. If do you think we might see a surprise? And if so, who do you think the surprise is going to come from? I'll come to you first, Raj. So we might be seeing a Sue upset as I Switzerland's nickname Sue, and they're against Sue. I think Switzerland are going to I'm leaving. Portugal. I'm out there. <laughs> you, gave, you gave him too oh, much gas with oh, there. Oh, you're so good at one-liners. Oh, brother. Oh, man. This guy stinks. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I, didn't, but, yeah, like, um, I, only clocked, I only clocked what you meant now. As in, like, I just clocked what the oh. joke was. The S-U-I, like... Yeah, it's I'm S-U-I, S-U-I, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Hey, yeah, let land. Yeah, let, okay, let, yeah, let, yeah, let, 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 let land. Let land. I like it. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. My uh, potential upset is the Switzerland Portugal game. Um, Switzerland. They've got a pretty good major tournament history. I was looking into that the other day. Uh, last, they've qualified for the knockout rounds of the last five major tournaments, and in the last three major tournaments, they've taken Argentina, Spain, and France all to either extra time or penalties. Uh, obviously, beat France in the end as well. Um, that structure is very solid now. There's a few of them have been around their ages. They've got Xhaka, you've got Fabian Cher, you've got Shakiri, you've got Mbolo, 
uh, Remo Freuler. They've all been there, experienced players, and they've got a brilliant chemistry. You see the passion in them. Uh, you can talk about tactics and all that, but you look at the passion in these Swiss guys. You saw it in the Serbia match. These guys love playing for their country. Um, so I see a potential up there. Portugal, I'm not impressed by Portugal. That's Many people are. I think naturally in that team, they lack a big outlet, uh, especially in wide areas. They've got a lot of good technical ball players. Bruno Fernandes has been fantastic. But I think if they played Rafa Leal, instead of Cristiano, they'd be looking way better. But they've obviously compromised that and they've got this Ronaldo, Felix, kind of Bruno, bit of front free going on. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of it balance-wise. I think Switzerland can upset them. I reckon Japan. Japan, Croatia might might be the one. Yeah, I was going to mention Japan. Japan Japan have just been been unreal. Like, last game, especially... (coughs) Um, I think, yeah, like the, I, I don't know how to. I feel like Croatia. There's there's not really too much justification for this, if I'm completely honest. But I feel like uh, when I've been watching Croatia, I think so far, um, Modric has been good, and um, Kramer, like Modric, Kramaric, um, Kovacic. But I I just feel like Japan have already, you know performed beyond what people have been expecting. I mean, they topped their group. No one expected them to top the group when um, when the World Cup starts. And I think they've got they've got something. I think they've got something for Croatia. Yeah, I, to be fair, I'd probably agree with that. Out of the four fixtures left, those are the two main ones. I really like Switzerland as a side in general. Um, with Japan, it's just more of a case about if they're going to play some of their game changes or leave them on um, to come on as substitutes. You've got the, um, you've but got the tickliest cough just sat in your throat at the moment. I can it's hear right it there. <laughs> but I'm trying to persevere. Um, <laughs> so let me land before you, you lot can speak. But basically, uh, they're, they're really clean, sort of counter-attacking. Um, and also in their sort of defensive shape, they've kept out some really, really impressive ball-dominant sides. I think if Japan try and take the game too much to Croatia, Croatia's midfield has the quality to basically come up with these genius solutions in and around them um but if they keep it tight and sort of counter-attack and get these chances in transition like sort of belgium did a little bit um then to be fair i, I see japan and switzerland um both giving the opposition closer games than sort of the games that we've seen so far Matoma scoring. I'm, I'm putting Mitoma. that out there right now. Bro, I'll post that Mitoma. same screen really shot. I'll post every time. Matoma is scoring in that game. If, okay, Mitoma's even if, he's, if, player, even if he comes off the bench. But he's changed yeah, the game even if he every comes time. Off the bench, every time he comes agenda, on, this guy, What agenda has the Japan coach got against him? He never starts him. I think he's just a bit so more nah. like pragmatic in his sort of selection. Yeah, he's a bit, Matoma's a bit more unpredictable. Like Matoma, um, I think, was it, was it that Belgium game? I think, no, it was the game. Who did they play before Belgium? The Germany game. Was it the German? I think it was the Germany, Germany game where Matoma literally picked the. I think it was the Germany game where Matoma's picked picked the ball up, and he's is in his own box basically. He's beaten like two, three players and start, starts an attack. And I think that's yeah. probably. I mean, when it, when it comes off, it's lovely. But I think that's potentially why maybe he doesn't he, he doesn't start. But I think he's scoring that game if he plays. It's ended uh, Nicholas Sula's career as well. He couldn't handle him when he was at right back against him on the left wing. I honestly, I think Matoma is good enough to play in the Champions League. I want him at City. I, I want Matoma at Manchester City next window. Honestly, I think he's unbelievable. It's just not going to happen. It's not happening. It's a good, it's a good shot. Bro, um, we good need shot. a left like winger that. still. Uh, I'm going to put it out there. You're going to get Nicholas Raphael Leal. It's my uh, shot. 
Jaden Sancho come home. You know what? I've become a Jaden. Actually, no, we need to talk about the World Cup. Oh, yeah, bad, 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 bad. But to be fair, we'll get to um, see Sancho popping many other times, brother. Oh, I have to. Oh, we have to. I've become a fan I've, again. I've completely forgot what I was going to say now. You were going to say Nicolas Sula is our podcast now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nicolas Sula is not a right back. Um, but we're having two diff- two separate conversations. Here. We've got two Man City fans shooting over Sancho, and you've got me and Raj going, Nicolas Sula is not happening. Um, on that note, uh, let's very quickly leave you with an icebreaker to think about. Uh, I actually really like this one. We've got, we've kind of got this situation whereby Lewandowski, De Bruyne are players that don't look like they're enjoying the World Cup. So which player do you think in this World Cup cannot wait to go home? That's going to make a, a nice snippet. Um, that is a good question. That is a great one. I, I really like that one. Is it remaining teams then, obviously? Yeah, but also just generally. Who's like... Desperate to go home. Yeah, if 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 I, if I say it, I'm getting I'm getting cooked, so I'm I'm cool <laughs> with that. I'm good. I'm good. I'm holding up kickers. I I am time. more than happy for you to tell us who that is because we need something <laughs> to cook in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. Hey, lie I feel like there were a couple of Raj clips in there, in the middle somewhere. Facts. There's enough. <laughs> but You've I really don't want to hear what you're doing. Now I'm curious about what you were gonna see. Off, off air, off air, <laughs> off air. You see that big recording button? Let's talk about off hey, air. Hey, one sec. Let me just let me just stop recording. One sec. Go on, go ahead. <laughs> you, do, you think you can get me? Nabeed is the police, bro. On everything, this guy, you're in an interrogation room, I swear. <laughs> He's like, I swear. Even with the light, you put it on Let the light shine in my face. That's why he did it. After one hour, it just breaks you down. Like, he did a little two second pause to pretend that he actually did something as well. Yeah, wait, wait a second. I don't even think. It didn't stop even for one second. You could have at least gone like, stop, start. Like, hey, I'm you didn't even commit man. to the bit fully. I'm a bit. Oh, um, oh, right. On that note, seeing as uh, Trujista is running for the hills, um, we are going to let you go on this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow the pod, and follow these guys as well. But don't follow Trujista until he says the thing that is going to get him cooked. <laughs> we see you next time.